Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nishanda Shines. Well, welcome to another episode of Try Beginner's Luck. You know, I've been doing these podcasts for a few um, episodes now. And one thing I'm learning is that you have to transition well. There's no way around it. You just have to transition well. So you're wondering, well, Michelle, why do you say that? I say that because today um, I got called into work, but I had an interview scheduled during this time where usually I'm very wide open and free. And I'm in this room. There's a humming sound going on in the background. There's tractor trailer moving in the hallway, people talking. And I'm like, well, how are we going to get this done? And as a beginner, because I'm a newbie to podcast life, I am learning that no matter what the circumstances are, you are never going to have a perfect circumstance. I am learning to become a master at transition. I think at every recording, I've been at a different location and I've had to adjust to my circumstances, adjust to my environment. That allows you to have perseverance, fortitude, grit, and allows you to build those muscles so that they can endure whatever it is that you go through. As they say, practice for perfect conditions, yet be ready to race in any environment, no matter what. But when you try, you always win. And today, my guest that I am so grateful to have with me is an, an international live sports announcer. She's a presenter. She's an event MC and host of the popular Try Talking Sport podcast. She is the Irish voice of Ironman Finish Line and works as an announcer at a variety of other events across running, cycling, triathlon, and gymnastics. She has herself, in fact, raced in all distances of the sport of triathlon. And here is the kicker. She holds the Irish cycling record for the race around Ireland and has a race record for Donango Ultra 555K for a four-person female team with the Galway Babies. None other. Allow me to welcome Miss Joanne Murphy to the Tribe Beginners Luck podcast. Well, hello, Joanne. How are you today? Hello, and thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a um, it's a lovely day in Galway. It's quite warm for a change. There's no rain, so I'm based in the west of Ireland, and I'm delighted to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Very excited. Well, I am excited to have you. Obviously, you are definitely um, very experienced as a race announcer, and I'm again, a newbie, but you can always learn from so many, uh, from people's experiences. I think that's one of the things that we can lend ourselves is learning from experiences. And what I would like to do today is from your perspective, let's set up who you are so that people can know who you are in the United States and all over the world, wherever this podcast will go. So Joanne, tell us about your sports background and how you got into triathlons. Gosh, we could be here for hours. I'll try and keep it very uh, brief. <laughs> uh, I guess I, I played sport as a child for all growing up, everything from, um, you know, playing tennis on the road out in the, the country. We lived in Cork, uh, you know, playing tennis when Wimbledon was on or uh, messing on bikes or climbing trees and just being physically active from a very young age. And then um, as I got older, I played team sports in school, moved through college, then I played more team sports again and then moved to uh, to Galway. So I'm from Cork originally, which is down very southern part of Ireland. And now I live on the West Coast. And um, when I moved to Galway, I started playing tag rugby. So I set up a tag rugby team and uh, ended up actually playing uh, real rugby, as we call it. I was pretty crap. Uh, I was able to catch the ball and run with it. But if anybody came near me to tackle me, I'd go down on the ground and nearly cry. So I wasn't very good. <laughs> I was a winger, but I wasn't very good at actually tackling. Um, and the opportunity arrived to participate in the uh, New York City Marathon. I was working in fundraising at the time, and we had a team coming from Ireland to New York. So I got the opportunity to take a place there and um, 
that was kind of the start of my running or I suppose my endurance uh, lifestyle, I guess, really, or my, my entry into endurance life and individual sports as opposed to team sports. And the rest of it has kind of snowballed. I, um, I remember loving cycling with my dad when I was a kid and when I started cycling again around, I think it was about 2009, um, I just fell in love with it again, bought myself a brand new bike and did a, a sprint triathlon as a relay because I couldn't swim. And um, the rest is history. Have done low, all the distances, raced at Challenge Roth, uh, raced at the WTS um, uh, World Ch Triathlon Championships in London in 2013. And as you mentioned, um, I did a um, a race record or have a race record and, a, and a, a cycling record for the Donegal Ultra. Your pronunciation was quite good. The Donegal Ultra with the Galway Babes. Uh, so we just set up a cycling endurance team um, in 2016. And yeah, it's just been amazing. Absolutely brilliant. I've My whole life has changed because of sport and because of triathlon. That's a very short synopsis. I haven't really raced at all since 2017, but um, other than the Zwift race today and a few other little bits and pieces. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's been a quite a journey. Uh, my life has completely changed through getting involved in, in triathlon, but I absolutely love it. Wow, so many synergies there. And what I love is that you got started doing a relay. And that's one of the things I encourage so many people to do. Like, if you can't swim, it's okay, you can bike or you can run. And if you can't bike, you can probably swim or run. And if you well, you, you can run, you can always walk the race, right? And do one or the other. So relay is an amazing way to get started into this great sport. Now, did you teach yourself how to swim or did you take lessons to learn how to swim? And how long did it take you to do your full um, first and feel comfortable doing you know, triathlons? I guess back in 20, 2009, uh, I wasn't able to swim. So on the day of the race, we were in Galway Bay and it was really wild. It was a sprint race. And I thought, oh my word, how are people going to swim in this bay? It is just so wild. <laughs> There's no way I'll ever be able to do this. Uh, but I absolutely loved it. I loved the transition. I loved the bike, the run, the feeling of running down that finish line and being part of a team, but yet with my friend, but yet doing the section of it myself, that that was the responsibility I had was to get our team as quickly down the road as possible. I did join the triathlon club, which I think is hugely important as a beginner triathlete, that you find a club that you can embrace their training sessions and embrace their ethos because triathlon is very much an individual sport there's no doubt about it there's nobody unless you have a coach there's nobody kicking you out of bed in the morning and telling you to go down to go swimming or to go for a bike ride or to go running but at the triathlon club you will find different levels of ability across the three different disciplines so whilst I couldn't really swim I was a strong-ish biker and I was a mediocre runner so when I started training with the triathlon club I was meeting different people at different levels to where I was so I was with the beginners in the swim, the intermediate in the biking, and then I was able to join the bigger sessions of running and meet loads of people. And that for me was a big catalyst towards the enjoyment of the sport. It wasn't just about the swim, bike and run. It was about the social aspect. So in response to your question about how long did it take me to learn how to swim, I probably did like a beginner's swim session early morning for about a six or eight weeks of basically just the very, very basic level of swimming, and then just progressed uh, through the club in terms of the, the groups and the levels of, of swimming classes that we did until I got to level four, which would have been our upper level of, of swimming. I'm still not a great swimmer. I can I can get it done. I'm not fast, um, but I do enjoy the open water now more than I ever did because of COVID. So I live about two kilometers from the sea and I've lived here for almost 18 years. And last year was the first time I spent the summer by the water. So I swam nearly every single day last year in skins in the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and I just, it reignited a love for swimming. I never realized I actually really had. I'm still not a great swimmer, but I could get in and swim two or three K now without thinking about it without a wetsuit, which for me is, is a huge part of being an age group athlete is being, having enough training done to be able to just take on the adventures as they arrive. Are they arise? You know, you've said such a mouthful and I am going to try to go back in and kind of pick that apart because what I, I'm so fascinated about is that 
in 2009, you could not swim. And in 2020, you swam every day in the Atlantic Ocean. Girlfriend, do you not know how bad you are? Like not one day, not two days, not three days, but every day. And I read somewhere that you only missed five days during the span of what, four or five months? You only missed five days? Like I would have missed probably, um, uh, don't worry about how many I would have missed. But the fact that you got out there and you couldn't swim in 2009 and in 2020, you did for three or four months every day and only missed five days. That's incredible. And if I'm if I heard you correctly, you swam between one to two kilometers per time. No, we we kind of we swam every day, but some days you only just got into the water for what we called a faff. So it was just getting into the water, embracing the cold and having that sense of purpose every day to get up, to go down for the little dip. And then some days we would actually swim a little bit more. The water temperature in Ireland is very, very cold by comparison to the US. So the coldest water I swam in, I think, was 3.6 degrees Celsius. And the warmest during the winter was six degrees I think and that's between November and March so it's quite quite cold at the moment the water is about 16 degrees and we think that's absolutely balmy but it's not really by comparison to your temperatures wow I think it you're a rock star in my book and I'm just gonna let that <laughs> stay there so not only has my fangirl gone from a level one to like five I don't, I think I'm probably going to go off the Richter scale because it is just, I am like in awe of just that alone. But um, cycling, you, cycling is the sport where you are really good at. And you also did something really cool during um, COVID is that you started cycling and having swift sessions throughout uh, for people to just kind of join in. And you just spoke to how you just came off of a swift session. Talk about what enticed you to start that and what is keeping it going right now? So I, I guess um, if we look back to 2020 in Ireland, we were put into a very strict lockdown in March of 2020 because of COVID. So we weren't allowed to go outside our two kilometer radius of our houses. Um, and, you know, you could go outside for exercise and to go shopping, but non-essential journeys really weren't encouraged. So you really didn't want to be going out on your bicycle and causing an accident or being involved in an accident and, and putting the emergency services under more pressure than they were already under with COVID. So I actually knew about Zwift, but I hadn't really signed up to it. I had a turbo that I'd had in a box for about four years and never even opened it. I eventually got set up and started um, engaging in, in Zwift and joined um, Team RWB. It's a Cycling Without Borders group here in Ireland who supported my journey in, in Zwifting and, and gave me loads of, of help with it. And then I was approached by our local council here, which would be the local government, to see would I help support their local bike week. So we would have a a week of sport where you would encourage people to get on their bicycle, whether that's for commuting, for racing, for general activity. So as part of that, I put a program together for myself, for what I would deliver. And part of that was to host a Zwift spin on a Monday night. And that was the start of it, really. We held that as a, a very simple meetup. I think there was 40 of us on it. I didn't know an awful lot about Zwift at the time, but two friends of mine had been racing and they led the spin for me. And funny enough, a triathlon coach who lives up in Newry, which is just in um, just up in Northern Ireland, uh, I jokingly said to him on the spin, I said, why don't we do this every week? Because we had so much fun. We had everybody on the spin and then we had people on Discord. And of course I can talk and he can talk. And it was more about the chat and the fun of the cycle then actually the cycling, the cycling was secondary. The chat was more important. Um, so it just kind of snowballed from there. We ended up doing a, a meetup every week. Of course, a meetup could max out at 100 people. So at Christmas time, I think we did the Alta Zwift. We had 100 people on my group and 100 people on Oliver's group, all as part of our, our spin. And then um, the team RWB guys here brought us in on a Monday night to have an official Zwift spin. And we've just kept going. We've had up to 250 people on a Monday night. Some nights we only have 50, but on average, we would have between 70 and 100 people every single Monday night. And about 60 of those are on the Discord <laughs> channel, chatting away and having a laugh. And you can choose to go hard or go easy. Oliver's our ride leader. I do sweeper. He takes the 2.2 watts per K average. 
I do a 1.8, 1.9 spin out the legs. And we talk about everything from, uh, from gear to racing, to gossip, to supporting each other, a loads of gossip. Um, and we just yes, have the gossip. <laughs> Yeah. And, and to be honest, I think, you know, a lot of people would come back to me and say that it was it was a lifesaver during the winter because it gets dark here at five or six o'clock in the winter. It's cold. It's wet. You can't really be out on your bike, but you could look forward to the Monday night spin. And you just even though we haven't met all of these people, you felt like you were just going to the pub, having the crack and having chats with your friends. You're actually on your bike. And that was a huge thing for me as well, to stay connected with the community, because when COVID hit, everything was gone. All announcing was gone. All marketing and event management contracts were gone. There literally was nothing. So for me, being a very social person and also hugely involved in the triathlon community, I thought, how, how am I going to stay connected? What am I going to do? So this was a big, a big, big part of it. And we still continue and love it. We've had some great fun, some great, great fun. And we've raced. We set up a race team as well. And we've done loads of racing as well. So it's just been great. Absolutely fabulous. I love it. So because we have just officially made this an international podcast by having you on, <laughs> I love it. Just I just think I'm like, wait a minute, this is an international podcast. Tell us how if we were, um, tell us how we could connect to your Zwift account or is there a link on your website that we can go to so that we can join in that Zwift? Because what I'm learning is that Zwifters Zwift at all times of the day, depending on their schedule. And so I love the Discord, um, the application to talk in, because that helps you to re to not remember like what you're going through and you're able to talk and to hear all the juiciness that's happening in the world today and, and bike and just kind of catch up. I think that is great. So tell us how we can... Uh, join your Zwift rides if we wanted to. So it's very easy on the Zwift companion app. You just go into Team RWB and it's Try Talking Sport and Park Try, and you can just join. It's Monday evening GMT at seven thirty PM, or you can pop onto my own site TryTalkingSport.com onto the events tab, and it's updated every week there. Um, but we do have loads of people tune in from the states as well. Megan Granite from California tunes in, and we do like um. Because I'm based in Galway and Oliver is kind of more up, up northwest and we have other guys like down in Cork and Limerick and Donegal and we have people from Wales and the UK and further afield. We actually do like a little weather report. So we'd often say to Megan, what's the weather like in California? It's lashing rain here in Galway. Come on, make us sad and sick with your sunny weather in California. So, you know, we, we just we just wanted people to have fun. That was the most important thing. And I think that's hugely important when it comes to triathlon, because we and multi-sports we get to do this as a hobby mm -hmm. this is our fun time yes we can get serious we can get all the apps we can get all the gear and all the training but at the end of the day we get to take part in this sport and we get to have fun with it and yes we get nervous and we get stressed and we're under pressure at times to get the training done and as you mentioned at the start we just show up we transition to show up um but this is fun that's what it's meant to be it's meant to be about having fun it is. And you mentioned community and you starting this Zwift group just shows how much you love community and you love people. And that's, I think, what helps just continue the momentum forward. And because you mentioned the track community, let's talk about how the track community has uh, imparted in your life and made your life as a triathlete and announcer richer. Yeah, so I guess I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very privileged to be in the position that I'm in. Uh, I'm just home from Ironman UK, where I'm the lead announcer in the UK for Ironman. Um, and I get to meet people before they race on race day Sunday or when they come down the finish line. And we get to be a tiny, tiny part of what can be for many, many athletes, a life-changing experience. We often talk about Ironman isn't a journey, it's a destination. So getting to the Ironman finish line is actually your journey. You mentioned Ironman Maryland in September. You're on a journey to becoming an Ironman. And that race day itself is actually your victory lap because all the training you do, every decision you make that affects your training, your nutrition, your sleep, your recovery between now and your race day is actually all part of your journey and standing on the start line on race day is just about putting the icing on the cake for what has been a fantastic 
journey whether it's hurt or not then you know it might have hurt you might have you might have fallen off your bike you might have cried because it was so sore <laughs> some of the days your sessions might have been too hard too easy you had to get up at four in the morning to do the session before you went to work or you had to come home from work and do a bloody run that you really didn't want to do but that's what makes us stronger it makes us resilient and makes us you know the strong athletes that we are and sets us up for life uh, for no matter what we do um, and I'm very privileged that I get to be part of a tiny part of somebody's journey when they cross the finish line. Um, and even, you know, as part of my own podcast, the Try Talking Sport podcast, being in the position to be able to interview and to tell the stories of other athletes. So we focus on everyone from athletes to adventurers to endurance enthusiasts. They could be regular age group athletes to Olympians, world champions. All I want to do is to tell their story. I want the world to hear their story because everybody has a story that should be told um and that's a huge part of being an announcer for me it's telling their story it's you know we had a 73 year old woman complete Ironman UK at the weekend we had an 18 year uh, sorry the 22 year old was the second last finisher on Sunday evening across the finish line at 11 17 I think he had 15 minutes to spare you know it's it's just goosebumps um and yeah, it's just amazing. It's it's a great privileged position. It's hard work, though. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Lots of people think I just turn up on the start line, I press play on a few songs and you just talk for 17 hours. But there's a lot of work goes in behind the scenes and the lead up to it and even after the event as well. Um, but yeah, it's great. I do love it. And I love the community. I, I think it's a very supportive community as well, the sport that we're in. So come on, Joanne, with all that great wisdom and advice. And you said that it's not about getting on the microphone and talking for 17 hours because you have to prepare for it. So if this is a beginner who is nervous and that they're going after their first Ironman, how do you prepare so that they can have a great experience on their race day? Oh gosh, uh, well, there's loads of different things. Everything from uh, you know doing the race briefing, making sure that the race briefing, that what you say is in simple terms that people can understand, that it's clear. Um, that we have a good, important music, that we have really good playlists and music. And we spend a lot of time going through the playlist to make sure that at different points during the day that the music reflects the mood of the day as well. You know, so when we have, we start bringing our champions down the finish line that we've got really exciting music. We build up the finish line for our, our male professional champions and then we bring it back down again and then we bring it back up again for our female uh, champions coming down the finish line. And you just try to keep the energy positive throughout the day. But even from, um, you know, knowing the athletes as well and meeting them and, and when you meet someone, if somebody tells you something about themselves that you keep a little note of it or that you're, you know, their race numbers, you can track them and you can if you have a connection with an athlete that you can try and be on the finish line for when they come down the finish line as well. Now, it's not always possible when there's, you know, 1900, 2000 athletes, but when you know somebody is coming down the finish line, you want them to have the best experience possible. And, and even if you don't know the person coming down the finish line, you want them to have the best experience. So whether that's, you know, getting the crowd to say you are an Ironman or whether it's getting the DJ to turn off the music so that you can start banging the board so they hear you 500 meters out there calling your name. Um, you know, there's loads of different things that, that we try and do. But I think the most important bit is just about trying to be friendly and trying to help calm the nerves of the people who are taking part. But the biggest tip I would have for somebody who's doing their very first Ironman is to simply respect the distance because you can do all the training in the world and you can think that oh yeah it's fine it'll be grand but it's 140.6 miles of racing and if you take that lightly then you will struggle if you respect the distance you put in consistent mileage you're consistent with your nutrition your sleep and your training then you've nothing to fear and you also have to back yourself and believe that what you've put in every single day in terms of training and that journey to the start line is going to build up for you to be able to cross the finish line. And that'd be my biggest tip, respect the distance and be consistent. It's the most wonderful time of the year, but it's also that time of the year where we start to think about resolutions. So let's commit to you in 2022 with the No Limits Resolution Challenge starting from January 3rd through February 27th. This challenge is designed for beginners and features eight weeks 
of training to help jumpstart your routine after the holidays. Are you ready? Let's do this. Let's get ready to commit to you in 2022 by visiting www.nolimitsendurance.com backslash resolution hyphen challenge. All proceeds go to Girls on the Run. When you when you said that, your face became so serious. It was like, she has this beautiful smile, right? And it just went to respect the distance. Mm-hmm. With her finger up and waddling it. Respect it. Okay, we got it. Respect the distance. What have you noticed? Don't fall off your chair. Oh, anything happens on Try Beginner's Luck, right? Um, what have you noticed about first timers? Because we want to hear about these stories from your vantage point. You know, you see these, you know, you see beginners at Ironman. And what have you noticed from your vantage point and what you see? Oh, gosh. Um, well, beginners, athletes come in all shapes or sizes. That's one of the big things that, I, you know, they're, they're, they could have come from a previous sporting background and be completely athletic. Or they might have done a couch to 5K program and decide that they want to try triathlon. So they've come from all levels of, this, of sport and sporting backgrounds. Um, they can be very nervous. They can uh, probably overthink things and get into a bit of a panic. But then don't we all, it doesn't matter what we do, we all get into a little bit of a panic and overthink things. But I think that um, people doing their first Ironman, they're just so emotional about getting to the finish line. So it's all about just getting to the finish line and standing on the finish line on Sunday and somebody saying to you, I, I, I've just done my first Ironman and you call them an Ironman and they're just, the emotion is just, it's overwhelming and it's overwhelming for us as well because we want to be able to give them a hug or a high five at the moment because of COVID, we, we can't do that. I had to put my hand on my, one hand on the microphone and one hand in my pocket so I wouldn't hug people on Sunday afternoon on the finish line. <laughs> they're, they're just emotional. Uh, many of them are very grateful to be where they are. They've Some of them will have sacrificed a lot to get where they are. Some of them will have t- taken it all in their stride. Um, but I think most of all, they're just excited to see the finish line and to see the dot and to know that once they cross that line, they'll forever be an Ironman. It doesn't matter whether they do one Ironman or 25 Ironman, they will be an Ironman forever. And I think that's a huge part of a huge part of the process for the new triathletes or the new to Ironman triathletes. That's some good advice. I get very serious there now again, did I? You said what now? Did I get very serious again there now? Look, I am here to for the seriousness because I think people need to know that, but they also need to know to have fun. And that's yes. one of your models that you live by, right? Yes. Have fun and find um have fun and find adventure in every day. I think it's really important that something makes a smile every day. So you've made me smile already today. Oh, yay. Yeah. I'm a part of your, your impacted day. Yes, I win. Um, but no, I think um, as, an, as a fellow announcer, you mentioned about keeping people calm. And I think there's something calming about our voices that helps them. And just like earlier today, I was in transition because of just rooms not being ready and appropriate. Let's go through the day in the life of setting up perhaps for Ironman or any of your local races. And if you're frustrated or flustered, how does that affect the athlete? And what do you try to do to prevent that so that they're always having a good experience no matter what? Because we're supposed to make it look like it's easy, everything is great, and the world is wonderful. But in actuality, a lot of times there's a lot of bombs going off in the background. And Sometimes people can come up to you and ask you a question like, so Joanne, what about, what time is the gun going off? What time is this going off? So how do you handle navigating all of those um, competing forces when you're trying to like get focused and ready to start the race? Well, I guess just like doing an Ironman preparation is key. So I'm a total nerd. So I will have a production schedule written out from when I arrive on site at Swim Start. I'll have it pre-done, written out and um, and uh, we'll work with my co-announcers to make sure that we stick to that schedule. So everything from when the national anthem is played to at what point of Thunderstruck, which we start all our race in the UK and Ireland with, 
Thunderstruck at what point in the song and at what time that will actually hit. The guitar chord hits at a certain time on Thunderstruck. I will have that written out. Um, I'll have my playlist all done within within 30 seconds of where we need to be on race day so I can easily fill 30 seconds if something goes wrong. Um, it's all about production and preparation, definitely. Because when you're, we, I, I don't know about you, but um, athletes definitely don't sleep the night before a race. You get a good night's sleep on a Thursday night and a Friday night. You can't sleep on a Saturday. You're only going to be in bed for about three hours anyway. So when you wake up Sunday morning at two or three o'clock to go to work, you need to have everything planned and written out already because you can't think. You know, it's hard to think on your feet at that hour of the morning. And you're right, you do have a million and one things coming at you. So, um, you know, if, for example, a swim gets cancelled, if you have everything written out in your timings, if a swim gets cancelled and you're changing the start line by or a swim gets delayed for whatever reason, all you're doing is changing your timeline. You're adding 20 or 30 minutes to it. So you've all your work already done in advance. All you're doing is just filling in the blanks of, of where you go next. Um, and then in trying not to get flustered, a big deep breath, a bit like starting on the start line. You just have to take a big deep breath and maybe just tell people to just step back for a second. Uh, you know, even on your own team, when you're trying to pink or something and people are all around you, you just take a step back or, you know, maybe take a drink of water and hide behind the drink of water for a minute while you think about what you need to do or what you need to say. But I'm very lucky. I, I get to work with um, a couple of good announcers in the UK as well. So we work together as a team. Um, and if something goes wrong somewhere, you know, we try and put the slack up somewhere else. And we're in constant comms with the operations team as well. Um, and that's important too, that you're you're listening and you're watching and you're looking everything, looking at everything that's going around you as well. It's not just, you're not just focused on your job, but you're actually watching the energy around you and you're watching people around you. And it's the same on the finish line. You know, people would have um, the signs up saying, go daddy and race number, whatever. So if it was race number 188, you might look up the Ironman tracker and see who that person was and then give them a shout out or walk over and ask what's the person's name. So you're just trying to create that whole experience for everybody and, and you're just telling a story. I mean, that's our job. At the end of the day, we're telling a story. We're creating an environment of excitement and we're telling the athlete's story on the day. Yes, we get to say you are an Ironman on the finish line to them when they've crossed the line, but ultimately every time we speak, we're either telling an athlete's story or we're telling the story of how the race unfolded on the day. I guess that's probably the easiest way to, to describe it, but preparation is so important. I love it. Um, one thing I also admire about you is your, your advocacy for women in the sport and in business. And being that women are up and coming group in this industry, I want to talk about what does it mean for you to be an, excuse me, one of the global ambassadors for Ironman Foundation's Women for Try Initiative? Yeah, again, look, a very privileged position. Um, I think we need to continue to promote women in sport. We need to create opportunities for women to get involved in sport. And we need to help to break down the barriers as to why women don't, number one, stay in sports when they're in school, or number two, don't take it up. So if you go back to my point about making triathlon fun, we get to do this as a hobby. If we can have fun and have a social interaction when we're doing sport and we're staying fit and healthy, then that is an absolute huge bonus and benefit. Um, I've been so lucky with what I have gained through sport throughout my life that I just want to share that passion and that, I suppose, level of encouragement with other people and show that if I can do something, I'm just a regular average Joe, if I can do it, then anybody can do it. And it's just about finding the sport and finding the activity that makes you want to get out of bed in the morning and, and go do something. So for me, getting out of bed in the morning and going for a swim in four degrees cold water or jumping on my bike and going for a four hour bike ride, not so much the running now, I'm not a big fan of, of running, but it, it's usually important that we create the opportunities for women to get involved in the sport. And I think that's just what I'm trying to do, I suppose, and to be a voice in sport. And as an Ironman announcer, I'm in a very privileged position to be able to share my stories and to give a voice to other women who maybe are 
coming through the ranks and want to be announcers or want to be involved in the sport and show them that, you know, you can create an, an environment where you can excel as a female in the sport of triathlon, not necessarily as an athlete, but on, <laughs> I'm not saying not necessarily as an athlete, I suppose in, in other areas, aside from being a professional athlete, that there are loads of avenues. You just have to find the one that works for you. Right. There's so many access points and you just have to pick which one is that's it. Yeah. Um, so if someone wanted to, we have a beginner listening. And again, I remember when I was a beginner, just not, there's so many different opportunities that's available and you may not take the time to research everything, but because we have this opportunity to talk about women, the women's initiative with Ironman, how would someone get involved if they wanted to participate and get involved in that? So there's a Women for Try um, on the website. There's Women for Try website and uh, people can just log on there and have a look at it. There's loads of ambassadors. So I'm one of four global ambassadors, but there are actual brand ambassadors in local locations as well. I think there's quite a few in the States specifically. Um, and there are associates as well. So there is an opportunity within that to just get involved and to find out more and to just keep an eye on the Ironman site as well for, for opportunities. And there's different events associated with different Ironman events as well, where they provide extra slots for world championships for the women for try, um, or I suppose in partnership with women for try. So you might see uh, an Ironman race, 70.3 race might be designated or an Ironman full distance race might be a designated women for try event where they'll give an extra, maybe 25 or 30 slots for a world championship race to encourage more women to race at that event in the first place and then to go on to race at the world championships beyond that as well so it's a great initiative to try and encourage more women to step up and go the longer distances because we know there's lots of women that will do a sprint race or an olympic race it's much easier to do that the commitment for 70.3 is a little bit more and then the commitment for ironman is definitely a huge amount of more time commitment um, and juggling of definitely more balls in the air throughout the, the, the process. I was going to say that is definitely probably one of the things that prohibit more women from doing the longer distances because they have children, husbands, you know, work and having to juggle all those. I wonder, or, or maybe you can tell me because you're on a lot of different boards that will push this needle forward. Do you think there will be initiatives to kind of help women with that juggling so that they can you know, go for the longer distances, like maybe have programs where there's perhaps childcare at the finish line or childcare on site. What do you think could be some ways that, you know, we can get more women involved? Yeah, I think, you know, there's probably the easiest thing to do is those that are doing triathlon to step up and speak about it, because we have, we have a program here in Ireland, it was called Can't See It, Can't Be It. So when we were growing up, we had very few female role models as sports people. But now we see loads of younger sportswomen um, and men, obviously, going to the Olympics are doing well and excelling in their sport generally, and especially in sports that wouldn't have been to the forefront years ago. So we have this whole cohort now of, of female athletes who are of a certain age, a certain vintage, who are doing triathlon and doing Ironman. And we need them to tell their stories because by them telling their stories, you'll get those other athletes coming through that will say, well, like, actually, she's got three kids, a full time job. She's got a husband or she's a single mother of two or she's whatever. She doesn't have any kids, whatever her circumstances are. And we can identify with those people and see how they're doing it, because, you know, it is possible to do this stuff. It's just about trying to find the right balance. I think your idea of childcare on the finish line is a great idea. It might have been something that could have happened pre-COVID. I'm not sure how feasible it will be now, but um, right. you know, I suppose there's so many different ways that we can encourage people to do the sport or to get involved. And the biggest way we can do that is to do it ourselves and to lead by example. Absolutely, and you're right. I you think about the pre-COVID times, and yes, that would have been an amazing idea. And who knows, you know, with you know, people getting vaccinated and the, it going into a more positive direction of being more social. It can happen for the future, but it was just a random idea uh, that kind of came out just really quickly. But, you know, just to help women, because- I don't think huh? it's the childcare on the finish line. I think it's the childcare while all the training is happening because the finish line is only 17 hours. Right, Max. so, <laughs> yes. So for those who are mothers, and for those who want to see these initiatives continue to grow, I will definitely say, do what Joanne says and, you know, start something yourself or collaborate 
and look at Ironman's Foundation's Women for Try initiative. Uh, there's uh, Outspoken that you can kind of look at these different initiatives that women are generating as of the last, what, five years or so. So there's opportunities and we definitely need your input, but we don't know what you need if you don't speak up. So speak up, use your voice and let uh, people know what you need so that we can get you the help so that you can go the distance because that's what I want to see more of as well. Just women out there trying because it really is a life changer. Like Joanne has said that this sport has changed her life, has changed her trajectory. And now she's made a career out of it where you were in fundraising for uh, a while and now you are doing what was once a hobby has now turned from a hobby to a passion to now a full-time career. Absolutely, yeah. There's room for everyone in it as well and there's a space for everyone and you know, whatever your interest is within the sport, there's definitely an opportunity there for you to excel, whether it's as an athlete or as a professional within the industry. Absolutely. Well, Miss Joanne, you have made it to the part of our fun little uh, podcast where we just ask some fire, uh, rapid fire questions. Uh, you don't have to think too hard about the questions. It's not a pop quiz. You don't get graded for it, although you might get judged for your answer. <laughs> I can't speak for that, but we want to have fun and we want to know because you are an athlete so we can hear about some of these things. So we're going to get into it and whatever uh, comes to your mind. Just shoot it and I may ask you some follow-up questions about it, but let's just go for it. Okay. Are you ready? No pressure. No pressure. I'm getting nervous now. You should. You should be sweating. Oh my gosh. Okay. We'll start off with something very easy, something that I know uh, will be good. What barriers have you had to overcome to get into multi-sport? Oh, wow. Um, I suppose I had to make some serious decisions about uh, whether I would continue in team sports or move across into individual sports. I guess I haven't had as many barriers as other athletes might have had. Um, I was able to manage the sport alongside my career. Uh, so um, the, to be fair, there weren't very many barriers. I feel personally, I've been very lucky and very privileged. Um, so my answer is, not very many. Okay. Um, your go-to workout. What does your go-to workout look like? Oh, crikey. Uh, I'm going to say a Zwift spin or a Zwift hard session, like a hard race like I did today. It was only short and sharp, 20K uh, hard uh, race on Zwift. Or I would love a long endurance ride, like four or five hours with two coffee stops. Easy spin. Yeah, that's probably my go-to and what's your favorite distance a racing yeah mm, it's hard to know I haven't raced since 2017 well I haven't raced a triathlon since 2017 I do enjoy um I, I think probably half Ironman I'm more mm. of a engine than a than a than a short course athlete definitely yeah it's a half Ironman distance yeah there's a lot of people who agree with you about the half iron distance. A lot of people. Okay. Who is your favorite artist, music artist? Oh, gosh. Um, Hosier. Okay. And your favorite song? Um, oh, my God. Like, I listen to so much music. It's so hard to pick. I couldn't pick... Um, Oh my God. Thunderstruck. I'm going to say Thunderstruck. <laughs> when you mentioned Thunderstruck earlier, I was like, oh, all I heard was. Da -na 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 -na. Oh, sorry. I got in a moment. And I wanted to do that earlier, but I was like, can you not be inappropriate? <laughs> Love Thunderstruck. Okay. Um, what or who inspires you? Oh, gosh. Um... I think my mom and my sister probably every day. They inspire me every day in the things that they do. Um, I could say some famous athlete or actor or whatever, but no, I'm going to keep a country and say my mom and my sister. Awesome. Favorite post-workout food? Too many magnums, a bag of crisps. Okay, so <laughs> break that down for the United States people. <laughs> 
It didn't take long to answer that question. <laughs> my post-workout food after a race, after a Swift race, is definitely too many magnums and a bag of like I think you guys call them chips, but crisps. Um, okay. Favorite workout food after like a Sunday long Sunday spin is probably um, a cheese and ham omelette with some salad. Mm, that does sound yummy. Mm-hmm. Yummy. What do you carry two of that you don't want to leave home without? You always have at least two of them to make sure you have whatever it is that you need of. At the moment, masks and toothbrushes. Hashtag facts and more facts. Necessities. <laughs> For COVID. And I recently got train tracks on my teeth, so I'm obsessed with brushing my teeth. So I actually have two toothbrushes and toothpaste in each handbag and my workout bags and I also have multiple masks in every bag and hand sanitizer. I am so mad that you're calling braces train tracks. I can't. I choo choo. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is so out of hand. Okay. At the end of a race, what do you prefer? Chocolate milk, beer, wine, water, or soda? Depends on how hard I've pushed the race. If I've pushed the race and I don't feel well, then nothing is staying in my stomach. So probably just water. Um, and if the if I'm doing if I've done well and I'm happy, champagne. Come on up. A little bubbly never hurt anybody. Come through with the champagne. <laughs> All right. When you're training, do you like to listen to audiobook, podcast, music, or just silence? I should say I listen to podcasts and I listen to loads of podcasts. But <laughs> I listen to podcasts when I'm working. So I absolutely listen to music, but it's also like double jobbing because when I'm training to music, I'm picking out songs that I'll add to my playlist for race day. So I often use the training sessions to test new songs for a playlist as well. So music, definitely. So speaking of music, I'm going to divert a little bit. You pick out all of your own music. Iron Man doesn't tell you which song. I love it. I love. Okay. Okay. That was just a sidebar for, for my knowledge. You know. Now it may be different in the States. It may be different in different parts of the world, but definitely for us, we put the playlist together unless there's a specific request from a race director for a particular song or, or maybe for an awards for walk-up music. Um, individuals may have particular songs that they want, but no, generally we have our own playlists and we use them. Yeah pretty cool because you see so the the reason why I prefer using my own playlist is I get energy from the music so I can work with the music so if I know what song is coming up I know in the morning you know we're building up to a very you might have a a quiet sort of session for half an hour and you're building it up building it up to thunderstruck same on the finish line you can work within the music if you know the songs you're familiar with them you can use them to your advantage and to to I suppose, encourage the spectators to get more engaged with what you're doing on the finish line as well. So yeah, that's my rationale behind it. No, that's a good rationale. And like, I love music. So music is one of my driving forces. And you, when you feel the beat, you feel the rhythm. You, It's like you take on the personality of the song and it allows you to energize the, the audience and the athletes as they come across the finish line. So I totally dig it. Um, all right. When you don't feel motivated, like when you don't want to do that swift ride, when you don't want to go out for that swim, how do you push through and get to the workout done? Um, I guess you have to think of the bigger picture. So you have to think of the next race or think of how good the workout will make you feel when it's done. Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's part of the, it's part of the consistency thing as well. And also I suppose I'm trying to live an active lifestyle and to live a try life so lead by example as well so there's always that little bit of maybe not extra pressure but if and and if you're racing with a a team even on Zwift and stuff you want to be the best athlete you can be for the team when you're racing with them so there's kind of yeah there's and there's days then when you just don't have motivation and and it's okay too to not train you know there are days when you just don't want to train and that is okay too and if you get to you know, the afternoon and you're like, I really just don't want to train, then just don't do it. You know, you've got to listen to your body as well, because sometimes we can think that we have to do all these things, but we don't have to do them. And sometimes it's just as good to have a rest day and be fresh going into your next workout the next day. 
And especially if you've had a day of Zoom calls or a day of meetings or a day of juggling children, whatever it is that drives you insane um, and that can make you tired, then just, you know, you got to just give yourself a break. I love it. I know you haven't raced since 2017 and many people haven't raced in a very long time. So there's no pressure to this next question that I'm going to ask you. I ask every uh, guest that comes on the show because I want to know and the listeners want to know. Are you a transition minimalist? Meaning you have like three things and that's it or a little bit more. Um, Are you a Goldilocks? Everything has to be just right. Or are you a kitchen sink space hoarder? Like you bring everything and then you figure it out when you get to transition. Kind of a mix of all three, if that's possible. Okay. Well, nothing makes it across the gate to transition unless it's essential. But that doesn't mean that my car isn't filled to the brim with the kitchen sink. So, you know, you got to find the healthy balance there. So I know what I need in transition, but I don't know what I might need in transition until I get to transition on the day or the day before. So um, I'm probably maybe erring on the side of the kitchen sink in the car and and the same when I go to races as well, you know, trying to decide on like Tuesday what I'm going to wear on Sunday for race day. (laughs) It's a little bit hard, Um, but obviously the, you know, you have to make your decisions. So yeah, I'd say transition is probably set up perfectly um, Goldilocks style. But either side of it is probably, you know, kitchen sink, definitely. I think that you just spoke to the woman in yourself, like having decisions and what to wear, what to bring. But at least when you get to the to the actual place, everything is just the way you want it. What an awesome time we've had today. And I'm so sad that it's coming to an end, but I know this won't be the last time we talk because you're so phenomenal. So thank you so much, Joanne. Let the people know where they can find you and your podcast, how often you put out new podcasts. Tell us everything. We want to be able to support you. Thank you very much for having me. And it's been been a pleasure chatting to you and so if anybody wants to get in touch I'm all over the socials on Facebook and Instagram on Try Talking Sport and you can follow the podcast on Try Talking Sport as well it comes out every Wednesday at 3 p.m GMT every second Wednesday sorry at uh, Wednesday at 3 p.m GMT and we feature loads of different uh, athletes and adventurers and people just whose stories I want to tell all right well thank you so much Joanne hey guys we have done it again Thank you for tuning in to Try Beginner's Luck. Remember, whenever you try, you always win. And with Try Beginner's Luck, we are here to get lucky. So keep tuning in for the next uh, podcast and we'll talk to you soon. Have a good day. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.